worship for us. Thank you very much, team. The, my wife said she got to play with the Royal Trio, uh, and we really appreciate the Royal Trio and the others that took part too. Thank you, Wally, for putting that together for us this morning. Joy will miss you when you're gone back to your place. You'll have to come and visit more often, that's all. Okay, I guess we can, is this working, Jim? Yeah, I can move this one out of the way. That's okay, Paul. You've done lots already. How do you say that word again, Wally? Oh, Wally. No, no, that's it. That's, that's a getting out of it, Wally. Hop, hop, hop. Ted? Where's Ted? Oh, not here. I need the Hebrew lessons here. Anyway, the yeah, something like that. Growing in wisdom, an introduction to the Proverbs. And Wally has uh, gave us a tremendous introduction already to that. Uh, let's just pray. Thank you, Father, for this uh, message you've given to us. We thank you for your love for us, for its uh, uh, evidence in, in all that you've provided. And we thank you especially for your word that uh, you've, delivered to us, and thank you for this book of Proverbs, and we pray that you would help us to unpack it, to understand it, to to learn from it, to apply it. And we thank you for your help in that and for your presence with us this morning. Amen. So you'll recognize that Wally uses it all the time up here. Uh, It's a a great device. I want to tell you a little story about uh, our family. So Vicki Parents are elderly, we've given them a computer that they sort of work with, and, uh, but, they, but my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they kind of like fought over the computer, like whose is it going to be? So uh, my father-in-law doesn't hear too well, so Vicky thought maybe if he had his own device, he could uh, you know, use it to help him with his uh, hearing impediment as well as uh, just use it. So we, she got him an iPad, you know, uh, one of these portable device things that we have so much, and and uh, we thought, well, that'll be great. But my mother-in-law said, no, take it back. We don't, we can't have any more stuff like this. You know, it's all too complicated for us. You know, it's, and she almost made us take it back. But no, 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 let's give him a try. And we showed him how to use it. And he had trouble, first of all, figuring out to tap. He just to hit the screen, you know, instead of just lightly tap it. And, and it was all foreign and, and unusual to him, right? Uh, but uh, gradually he started to play around with it and, he got more used to it, and it became more and more part of him. And he's now, you know, using it for all sorts of things. Takes pictures with it, sends pictures to us. Uh, he uh, reads e- emails and Facebook. You know, who would have thought my father-in-law would be on Facebook? Uh, and you know, he's just starting to to really. And now it's become like, you know, like it's my iPad. You can't have it. You know. <laughs> And it's really become part of it. Anyway, my mother-in-law is still a little bit unsure of it, I think. But she recognizes that when they go on trips that he can get his emails and he takes this thing around. It's a marvelous tool, these, these little devices that we're using a lot of these days. And, and oh, they do. They even listen to sermons on them. Wow. And it's amazing. You know, what the, the lesson is that, that he's learning more and more about this device. And as he learns more and more about it, it gets more and more valuable to him and it becomes more and more useful. 
it's kind of, I think, a bit like the message God has given to us in, in his word. Like, we've got the book of Proverbs. Oh, great. Well, no, just take it back, Lord. I don't, it's too complicated. There's too much in there for me. But no, no, just try starting to use it. Okay, well, use a little bit of it. Okay, well, that helped in a little bit. Let's use it a bit more. And, and I think the more and more we have understanding of what is packed inside of this, the more useful it becomes, the more we'll take it to heart, the more we'll, we'll really treasure it. Uh, and it's a bit like uh, learning the skills of a device. We read these verses already this morning, but here they are again in a slightly different translation. The first five, six verses of Proverbs. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom. There's your word, Wally. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we'll get it. Hukma. Is that right, Ted? We got your... Uh, okay. To teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right and just and fair. I mean, that was all wrapped up in Wally's little uh, presentation there this morning that he, he played for us. That's, it was tremendous. That's good. I should sit down, actually, after you played that. I don't really need to be here. But these proverbs will give insight to the simple, Knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Interesting. So there is the stated purpose of the book of Proverbs. To teach people wisdom and discipline. So how many have ever felt they might need wisdom at some time in their life? <laughs> Few people? Yeah. I think we all could use a, more of that. And, and every one of us at times wishes we had more... <laughs> every one of us. We have, a, uh, we have a need. And yet we have resources that offer us the possibility of learning this wisdom. And it's amazing that we have that resource. So wisdom, that word again, we'll just stick to the English word from now on. I think uh, it's getting a little bit overworked here. The Hebrew is not so good. So what is that? Well, Wally's message, his uh, little um, introduction gave us a a bit of the side of wisdom. But here's a definition that uh, I think uh, I came up with by putting some sort of resources together. It's the skill of living. So remember, we, they talked about that, how it's, a, it's actually a skill that you know, some people have, artisans have, and other people have. It's a skill. But it's the skill of living so that something of lasting value is produced from one's life. And that sort of came into that uh, video where, they, where we, we create things out of wisdom that are benefit of, of lasting value. They are a, a product of of wisdom in our lives. So that's a pretty important sort of idea that comes to us. And I just try and keep that one in your mind. Another sort of twist on that definition is the ability to use knowledge and intelligence and understanding, all of those things, to think and act in such a way that choices are beneficial and productive. I got that from a man named Jack Wellman. 
But the idea that it's, it's producing something of value uh, that's beneficial and productive. So it's the one goal of Proverbs is to teach us wisdom, and the other one is to train us in discipline. Now, discipline, uh, different words for that, but the word that's used in, in that uh, second verse of Proverbs 1 is, is a word that really means the training, the training that makes it possible to live productively. So we have the wisdom and then we have the training in here that makes it all possible. So the wisdom and discipline. And uh, down in verse uh, 3, the, the, the purpose of those things are to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Uh, so again, the beneficial side, the productive side, the what's right, just, and fair. When you think of that uh, sort of trio of things, I can't help but thinking of the, the, the author's own experience with wisdom. Remember, King Solomon uh, was granted wisdom by God when he asked for it. And, uh, and he was able to do what is right, just, and fair. And the big uh, main story that we think of is when two women came to him, one with the living child and one with the dead child, and the, and the one claimed that the living child was hers and the other one claimed that the living child was hers and that, that, that they were before Solomon and they, they argued back and forth and he had to make a decision what to do. And we know what he did, right? He called for a sword and he said, okay, just cut that baby, the living one, in half and give them each half. And uh, what a dreadful thing to say, right? And yet he was wise and that he knew the response possible would be that the real mother would, would say, no, don't kill the child. Spare his life. Give him to the other one. And then Solomon knew which was the real mother of that child. And he was able to say, give that living child to that woman. She is the real mother. And tremendous wisdom and insight that he had in order to do what is right, just, and fair. And that's what these Proverbs will help us in. So why do we need a book like Proverbs to teach us wisdom when in James, in the New Testament, uh, James says, if you need wisdom, just ask God. Um, James 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. So, well, why do we need to study and learn from Proverbs if all we have to do is ask God and he's going to give it to us? Well, remember the, the circumstances here are for a troubled time, for a time of testing and trial. And uh, there's lots of other times in our lives when we really need wisdom and it's there for us, but we just haven't taken the opportunity or the time to learn from what God has given to us. And so God's not going to, say, bail us out for when all of the things we need to do and decide. But when we're specifically stuck, when we haven't reached that point yet where we're, where we're fully complete, God says there is, an, there is an option for you to come to me at any time when you're under trial and, and testing. So that's in that specific uh, Circumstance, but on the other, the other uh, things to consider is that we have other resources for wisdom as well that God has given us, and we don't just uh, expect Him to suddenly give us this clarity of thought, um, 
or change in circumstances or wise counselor or some other thing. But he's also given us the scriptures which, which help us to know how to respond in certain situations. And if we're familiar with these scriptures, his helps, then those tough times won't be as tough uh, to come to a, a right and fair and just uh, decision. So I think we need Proverbs in part to answer that request to God. God says, listen, you've asked for wisdom. Here it is. Uh, take a look at it. Learn from it. We need to be studious and uh, we need to take time to learn what God has already given to us um, in, in his uh, book. We need to recognize that, that ultimately God is the source of wisdom. And he has given us this wisdom from above that James goes on to talk about. Wisdom which is, uh, which is quite similar to the wisdom that we've talked about already. James 3.13 says, If you are wise in understanding God's ways, prove it by living honorable, an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. They're the, the productive side of wisdom, that good works and, and uh, doing things that are, are uh, productive and beneficial. But the wisdom from above is first pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Again, it's producing benefit. It's producing something of value, of, of eternal value. And that's what distinguishes wisdom from above. It's different from our own wisdom, which we try sometimes to get by on, things that we think we understand, or the world's wisdom, or wisdom that's taught to us, which is not at all productive, but is completely the opposite in, in, in the end. The principal source of wisdom that we also have is found in our Lord Jesus Christ, right? God, uh, Paul calls uh, Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1.24, he says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And a bit of a story like Solomon's comes to mind when Jesus was asked who, whether he should pay the temple tax. Uh, you know, ah, we've got you now. If he says yes, then you, you're a friend of the Romans. If he says no, then you're a rebel and you need to be uh, executed. We've got him. He says, well, look at the coin. And they said, okay. Well, whose image do you see on the coin? The Caesar's. Well, then give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. And remarkable wisdom there, right? You know, just the, that source of, of just and right uh, answer. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the source of wisdom for us. So Proverbs, we've already had a little introduction to what wisdom literature is. And it's one of these books of wisdom literature that we've, we already saw up there. So this is, book is a collection of Proverbs from a number of sources. Now, it says in the first verse that there's the Proverbs of Solomon, but as you go through the book, you'll see that there's also sayings of the wise. There's some section from Agur, A-G-U-R, and Lemuel, uh, and perhaps others. And you can see that these have all been collected and edited because in one part of Proverbs, I think it's in chapter 25, it says the, the officials of Hezekiah's time collected the Proverbs and, and put them together. And maybe that work went on even after that, but we know that Hezekiah was 200 years after Solomon, so Solomon's Proverbs went along and then the people of Hezekiah's time tried to collect them and put them in a book. And we're not sure exactly when the final form of that book took place, but but there's the collection. Now, I think as First Kings tells us that Solomon had over 3,000 Proverbs. We don't have them all written in this book, but he had an amazing number of Proverbs. But these are the ones they were able to collect and put together in a book. 
as well as some of the other uh, writings. And some of these people we don't know much about. Lemuel, who was he? And Agur, and uh, they, they probably weren't even Hebrews, but they were wise people, and God used them to, to, to transmit some wisdom to us through their writings and through their sayings. And so some of these similar sayings are found in other cultures of the time, ancient cultures. We can find collections of books of Proverbs as well. So the Proverbs is a collection of uh, books of, of Proverbs. So what is a proverb anyway? Um, some people have described it as a short sentence drawn from long experience. Um, it's difficult to define price precisely what a proverb is. It's usually pretty short. It usually has makes some good sense. And it's often memorable in some ways. It has a rhyme or some word plays or figures of speech. I was wondering if anybody had some favorite English proverbs that they, they remember right now. I put a couple pictures up here to remind you of a couple that I thought of. Get the one up here. And what about that one? Yeah, so there's a couple. Any others that you can think of? Yeah, that's a pretty common one too. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> All right. So they, these these things have they have no the meaning is totally different from what it really says, right? But you understand the meaning because the words give you a picture of what it means. So have you got any others? Oh. Ah. All right, so, so my earlier talk about these devices now is, is counteracted by another proverb. Yeah, I see. Okay. So, so have you got another one? Any others? I've got to leave now, yeah. Oh, there's no apple here, it's okay. Okay, you can remember, and and we smile when we see them, when we read or hear these proverbs, right? Because they they kind of resonate. We know what they mean, but they don't mean what they say specifically, word by word. So they take some interpretation. Um, I like this one: uh, haste makes waste. Um, it's it's it rhymes, right? That's how it's memorable: haste and waste. They they rhyme, and you can actually make a new one out of this one: taste makes waste. <laughs> Gotta think about that one for a while. So there's word plays going on there, right? Uh, the things that are going on. Yeah. Here's one: when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? So th- th- there's word plays there and a mirror image: the going get tough, tough get going. But the word tough and tough are different, and going and going are like. So we're playing on words, and we're, we're, but they memor, they're memorable because of that. And this book of Proverbs that we have is, is similar. So, so there's lots of techniques, and it's fascinating to read about some of these techniques that these Proverbs have that, that make them memorable and, uh, and uh, enjoyable for us as well as valuable. Here's one that, um, can you guess which proverb that is from out of the book of Proverbs, from those pictures? That's my office door there over there, by the way, if you didn't understand. Yes, as the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard turns in his bed, right? And uh, one of my roommates uh, that we lived with, we lived with a bunch of guys. He used to love quoting that proverb to one of my other uh, roommates because the guy was always doing that to his alarm clock, shutting it off, you know, 
And he says, that's the sluggard turns in his, that's the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard turns in his stead. That's, um, did I write that one down? I don't know what to, yes, 26.14, if you were looking for that one in Proverbs. Um, so it has a figure of speech in it, right? The door turning, sluggard turning. But you kind of, kind of remember, it's, it's, it picks it up. Here's another one with a figure of speech. Stolen bread tastes sweet but it turns to gravel in the mouth, 2017. Now, like, that's pretty gritty, right? <laughs> that's a good one. Too. So those are some of the things that Proverbs does. They have these dramatic uh, similes, metaphors, and other word plays that are going on. Now, all of Proverbs is uh, poetic. Let me just see if I got uh, uh, the slide for this one. And poetry in, in Hebrews is translatable because it's, uh, it's, it's parallelism. The ideas are the what rhymes or what counters. So let's uh, look at a, a proverb, 16.28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. And you can see that those two ideas kind of rhyme. They're kind of... Uh, the same idea restated. And if you look carefully in, in Proverbs, you'll find this happens quite often. <clears throat> Good godly people find life. Evil people find death. Now, there's two ideas, but they're exactly opposite, right? So they, the idea is that these, these two thoughts... Uh, rhyme, they're parallel, but they're antithetical. They're opposite. Let's not go into English words that I can't pronounce, even the Hebrew words that I can't pronounce. So these are opposite ideas, and you'll find a lot of Proverbs with opposite ideas or contrasting ideas, but they still have one idea and the other. And these help us understand the verses a little bit, because if you look at, well, well, this side of the verse means what this side of the verse means, and sometimes you compare, and that, oh, okay, that's what the other side of the verse means, you know, and you get some help from that. And, and then there are times when the, the verse just, com- the statement completes what's stated earlier, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Those are two different ideas, but they're related to each other. So there's this completion parallelism that takes place. So those, those follow through with the translation, but there are some things that, because of our English translation from Hebrew, we kind of miss. Uh, some of them are word sounds. Remember like haste makes waste? That's an English proverb that, that rhymes. And those things happen in Hebrews, but there's no way reading reading English that you'll be able to really catch that. So you'll have to get a good commentary or a good study guide if you really want to know about those things. But the Hebrew people could could relate to some of them. And another one that we often miss is what I call mirror image proverbs. Here's um, one in 10:12. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love make, makes up for all offenses. Now that's the opposite rhyming again, but in Hebrew, the word order is changed than what we have it in English. We have this English because it has to make sense, but in in Hebrew, the subject verb object of the first part is repl- is changed to object verb subject in the second. So it's kind of like um, hatred stirs up quarrels, all offenses made up for by love would be the Hebrew. And so you get a mirror image 
but we lose that in the translation sometimes. Uh, but it's kind of interesting, uh, word uh, proverbs, things like that, that happen in proverbs. And there's a number of other things that I don't have really time to, to, uh, to go through, but, um, but they're there for us to, to, to learn as we use this device that God has given us. So, application of Proverbs. How are they to be used? Like, you know, we have to be careful when we uh, take a proverb and to understand the words and the riddles of the wise. Verse 1, 6 told us, remember? So, Proverbs, I'm going to try this statement out, see what you think of it. All, always are true, but are not true always. So, they're always true but not true always. Do you catch the difference there? They contain a truth, but they're much too short to cover all the circumstances and variations in life. But there's always a truth there. Now, you've seen this sign on the road. How many have actually seen a moose crossing where that sign is? (laughs) So that sign is false. It should be taken down, right? Because it's not true. I've never seen a moose cross where the sign is. It, the moose just don't don't understand those signs. <laughs> but what but that sign is really valuable though. On the other hand, right? It really is true because that stretch of road is known to have moose that crossing at times, and you're supposed to adjust your driving according to that sign. It's a warning for us. It's true, but it's not true. You know, like there's no moose crossing here. Like what's the signs talking about? So Proverbs are, are similar for that. You need to think about them and apply them in different situations. Remember, they were collected, and so they were taken out of their original situation, whatever Solomon was thinking about when he said this. It's now been put in a collection. Now we're going to try and apply it to a different situation. We have to be careful how we apply that. So here's one in uh, 10.4. It says, Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. That Always true? No, because there's a lot of hard workers that are not rich. And not all poor people are lazy. So it has a specific connotation and and an application, but it it doesn't mean that everybody who works hard is going to be rich financially. But what it's saying is that laziness has its consequences and there's a reward for hard work. And that's true. And that's always true. But well, you have to be careful. The riddles of the wise, remember? Uh, so be careful how we apply them. There's one proverb that, this, uh, in 26, 4 and 5. It says, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you'll become as foolish as they are. And the very next verse says, be sure to answer the foolish argument of fools or they will become wise in their own eyes. So we've got completely conflicting advice from Proverbs, but take it in the situation. Sometimes you answer a fool. And sometimes you don't. But you have to apply these things wisely to know which one is which and when to use it. And you get it wrong, it's like, a, it's like I saw the advertisement for the iPad where the guy was using it for a cutting board, you know, like it's really the wrong use for the iPad, you know, like. But so it can be used wrongly. So here's a, here's a little exercise for you in the last few minutes. So uh, case study. You've got a neighbor. You're friendly with this neighbor. You chat from time to time. For the most part, they're law-abiding, decent people. 
There's no domestic violence going on or anything like that. You know, it's just all well-behaved kids, uh, helpful. They look after the house when you're away. And, you know, things are nice with your neighbor. You have a good relationship. You have some good conversations with your neighbor. You talk about sports. You talk about gardening. You talk about the local news events. And you've even had some spiritual discussions with your neighbor, talking about your church that you go to. The neighbor knows you're a Christian. That he, You've even invited them to come along with you sometime. They're thinking about that. Um, you're looking for other top opportunities to discuss some of these spiritual thoughts with your neighbor. Okay, all good. But the neighbor... He doesn't get up early in the morning. So his solution to this problem of garbage day is to take the garbage out at night, you know, like at 7 o'clock before you go to bed. There, it's all ready to go. But you know what happens around Timmins when you put your garbage out at the night before? Some wild animal, usually bears, ravens, whatever, will take it all apart and scatter down their street. So every month, at least every month, this neighbor's garbage is scattered around your place and it's blowing around your yard. Okay, well, you know, if only he would get up in the morning and put the garbage out when you're supposed to do it by city bylaw, you know, like between, what what is it, six and seven or some ridiculous morning time like that. Anyway. And you know what else bothers you? He's got a dog. Dog often wanders on your garden, and guess what? I won't go into detail. But anyway, that kind of burns you out a bit. And his lawn, it has the most dandelions per square foot of any lawn you've ever seen, right? So it, it, all those seeds blow over to your lawn. Okay, so you've got the book of Proverbs now. What are you going to do with your neighbor? Can anybody think of some good Proverbs? I mean, it's putting you on the spot. But if you've got one in your mind, then you you're need to be up here talking about these Proverbs because you're, you're farther ahead than I am. So any, got any good ideas what Proverbs you could use? Well, there are several. There are several. I'll give you some hints. In 10.10, the, the Proverbs say, People who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. So, you know, they should really put their garbage out in the morning. I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to go up there and tell him, you've got to put your garbage in the morning, not at night. Okay, that's one, Proverbs 10.10. So that gives us some advice on that way. Another one like that. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. So that's 28-23. Okay, so they, they need some honest criticism. You shouldn't just gloss over things and say, okay, it's fine. Yeah, 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 I understand. We need to give you some honest criticism. But there's another Proverbs 19.11 says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Hmm, well, I need his respect if I'm going to win him for the Lord. Maybe I could give him some slack on these things. And in 11.12 we read, It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. Okay, now we've got conflicting proverbs again. What are we going to do? We're going to have to apply these. You might think of some creative ways of doing both, you know, overlooking some of the wrongs, but say, hey, neighbor, can I help you with your garbage in the morning? Maybe if you just leave it in that corner, I can go in and put it out for you or something like that, you know, or here's a leash for your dog. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) Hint, hint. Whatever you can think up of. So, I mean, just that the, there are things that we have to be careful of when we're applying Proverbs, but 
they have application from, for day-to-day uses. So finally, the last verse that I'm covering is that last verse uh, that we read. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is another rhyming verse, like Proverbs always are. They have this uh, contrasting idea. It actually is a mirror image proverb. If you look at the, the original Hebrew, fearing the Lord, first step, knowledge, discipline, fools despise. There's sort of the words in Hebrew. So it's kind of mirror image. It goes up like this and down like that. And all this is the essential message that the beginning of wisdom, as Wally's introduction video told us, is wisdom. The, the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of that wisdom. It's the first step, the foundation of wisdom. It begins with the God. It begins with the Lord. He's the ultimate source of wisdom. And he is the de- definition of wisdom. It's fascinating to me that that, that video, that while it fits so well, that, that force in the, in the universe that ties everything together, that creates, that orders things. You know, the, the Greek philosophers started talking about that about 400 years before Christ. It, they defined the idea, Philo, a, a Jewish Greek philosopher in about uh, 20 BC to near time of Christ, he came up, uh, he defined it even more, and, he came up, and they, they used this word to describe this force. Do you remember what the word was that they, they came up with? Logos. Guess what the Apostle John did with that? He took that word and said, this force that defines everything, that orders the, the principle behind the universe, is no other than Jesus Christ himself. He is the Logos. He's the Word of God. He is wisdom personified. And as we read about wisdom in that Proverbs chapter 8, it's so much fitting a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord formed me from the beginning. This is wisdom talking in Proverbs 8:22. Before he created anything else, I was appointed in ages, ages past, at the very first before the earth began. I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was when the world, with the world he created, how I rejoiced with the human family. And then in verse 35, he says, For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. That's so fitting for our Lord, the role of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it's amazing that this principle of wisdom, this idea, this the Greeks later developed into Logos, and John said that's the term. That describes the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the principle of, uh, behind everything of the order and knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. Jesus is the wisdom of God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.24. So Proverbs speaks of two paths, uh, that of wisdom leading to life and folly leading to death. Jesus also spoke of two paths, the narrow way, the difficult way that leads to life, and the broad way that leads to salvation. So we're invited to come to the book of Proverbs to see the Lord Jesus in that book, to find the wisdom that he has given to us and to apply it to the various parts and aspects of our life that we can. I'm going to ask the team if they would come and uh, we'll sing a, a final song. It's our, uh, out of our praise book, uh, Romans Doxology. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 11 as the praise team is coming up, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory 
forever. Let's uh, stand as they lead us in the